Hello and welcome to Best Comics Ever, presented by Comic Book Herald. I'm your host, Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. And today we're going to be uh, unleashing a new feature. We're going to be talking about the new story arcs that are completed in Marvel Unlimited. Uh, If you're a Marvel Comics fan and you're unfamiliar with Marvel Unlimited, I highly recommend you check it out. It is their uh, effectively all-you-can-eat digital subscription platform where for the price of approximately $6.99 a month or it comes out to around $70 annually, uh, it's like a Netflix-style subscription where you get access to thousands upon thousands of Marvel comics. And every week, they release a new stretch of comics to the library, and basically they go on a six-month from publication date cadence with new, <clears throat> with new comics. So what that means is comic books released the first week of January 2018 are released six months later, the first week approximately of June 2018. So here we are at mid-August, and I'm going to talk about on a two-week rolling basis what is new. And for this episode, we'll be looking at comics that were added to Marvel Unlimited and finalized story arcs for the weeks of July 29th, 2018 and August 5th, 2018. And then, of course, at the end of the month, I'll go into the new comics that were added the weeks of 8-12-2018, as well as 8-19. So, again, when I use Marvel Unlimited, I mostly use it to binge uh, older series. And especially as I was getting into Marvel Comics, you know, you can read through, again, anything from approximately 1961 to 2017 uninterrupted. When it comes to new comics, though, uh, I often don't keep up as single new issues are released. I'll wait for a run or a series, or in this case, a story arc to be completed. So one thing I've gotten more into lately in my usage of Marvel Unlimited is taking a look as they release their brand new comics and figuring out which story arcs actually just um, finished up. You know, one full, you know, basically what would be a collected trade edition, often six issues or so. Now, this is frequently unclear just by seeing the issue added. For example, if you see all-new Wolverine number 33 has been added to Marvel Unlimited this week, that doesn't necessarily tell you if it is part six of six in an ongoing story. So that's one thing I'm going to be making clear here, what those comics are. I'll also frequently be writing about them on the previously on columns on Comic Book Herald, so you can find them there as well. But let's get into it. We're going to talk about the new comics in Marvel Unlimited. This week, the stories we'll be talking about are uh, an Amazing Spider-Man and Venom crossover, known as Venom Inc., aka Venom Incorporated, as well as Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey, a five-issue miniseries that was released to Marvel Unlimited the first week of August. Uh, just a quick update here about spoilers. We, I will be talking about, you know, basically what is the context, the present-day scenario that uh, these stories exist in, given that they are modern and relatively fresh. Uh, that may that may contain, you know, information from the past few years of Marvel Comics. And I know a lot of you uh, out there using Comic Book Herald, you know, you like to start 
all the way in the back, all the way at the, the start of things, or even you know at the start of 1998, you might be up to comics released in 2004. Uh, if that's the case, and you're really worried about knowing what happens throughout the 2000s without having read and experienced it yourself, uh, I would I would caution you that there may be some light spoilers. One thing I will not be doing is actually spoiling the comics I'm talking about in terms of any big twists or reveals. Uh, that said, I will be talking about what happens in the comics uh, as much as I can without any significant spoilers. I think for both of these uh, series that are released here, Venom Inc. and Phoenix Resurrection, honestly, they aren't very spoiler heavy. Um, it, Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey, I mean, the title says it pretty clearly. So I don't think uh, there's much that I even could spoil, but it, you've been you've been cautioned if that is something that you are looking out for. And again, I know a lot of you are, so it's something that I, I was definitely weary of when I was getting into Marvel Comics. I remember going to Marvel.com and seeing them list out uh, just a character list and one of the characters they listed was Venom, and then in parentheses, his identity, which at the time was an identity I didn't realize had become Venom. And that itself sort of functioned as a spoiler and actually is a big part of what I'll be talking about in Venom Inc. Now that I'm caught up, it's it's interesting and fascinating. But again, if you're, you know, in the 2000s here, uh, you may want to you may want to hold off until you're caught up. So that's context for spoilers. Uh, let's let's get into each of these individually. Uh, basically, my short review of each is Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey, I would say is mostly recommended, uh, especially for X-Men fans. I actually enjoyed this one quite a bit. Uh, it's written by Matthew Rosenberg with art. Uh, it's really a rotating cast of some Marvel's better artists, or at least at the time, some Marvel's better artists. He had uh, Lionel Francis Yu on the first issue. He has since, I believe, vacated Marvel to go work with uh, Mark Millar. Or no, that's that's Coipel. I'm, I'm mixing artists here. Well, regardless, it's Lionel Francis Yu on the first issue. He's done a lot of big Marvel events, uh, such as Secret Invasion. And then you have artists like Joe Bennett, who's currently working with Al Ewing on the Immortal Hulk. Uh, so again, it's on an issue by issue basis. So there's not a ton of consistency in terms of you know one creative team, but for a mini series, it does provide some interesting elements. Again, for X-Men fans, short review, read this, it's recommended. Uh, Venom Inc., not so much. Uh, this is a crossover, again, between Amazing Spider-Man. It connects uh, Amazing Spider-Man as he launches into the Marvel Legacy era of Marvel Comics. So it goes Amazing Spider-Man number 29 to number 32 in the series that began, I believe, 2016. And then Marvel renumbers for Legacy. So number 32 proceeds to number 789, which is Marvel's attempt to count up you know, if they had never relaunched or never rebooted, how many comics, how many Spider-Man comics in Amazing would there actually have been? And they came out to 789. So that's one that's going to be, uh, it's probably confusing already to many of you. It's going to be even more confusing as readers are are looking for the missing uh, 700 some issues that appear to be, you know, a gap in Marvel Unlimited. But just know when you go from 32 to 789 that that's actually the intended flow of the comics. Uh, for our purposes, it's just two issues that cross over with Venom. So basically, what happens is you have these uh, preludes and a tail end. So you have Venom Inc. Alpha, which follow is followed by Amazing Spider Man, uh, then followed by a Venom issue. 
then followed by AMS, Venom, and then back to Amazing Spider-Man, Venom Inc., Omega. So it's this kind of, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a crossover. It's got different titles. You can find all the info there on the Marvel Legacy Reading Order on comicbookherald.com. Venom Inc. is not so great. Uh, it does bring all the flashes together. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the context for the story. Can I start with the one that I'm not as into, which is Venom Inc. So what brings us to this this story and why is it needed? Um, for Spider-Man, it's honestly not a very essential comic. Uh, it, it's more about the Venoms than anything. So if you're a big Venom fan, um, as you'd expect, Venom Inc. is one you may want to check out. It also brings the two most... Uh, high-profile, you know, symbiote wearers, the Venom, Venoms of the Marvel Universe together. So you have Eddie Brock, who's the uh, 90s Venom, who is the one many fans, if you're familiar with Spider-Man the Animated Series or the terrible Spider-Man 3 movie, that's that's Venom here is going to be Eddie Brock. And he's also the character who will be, uh, Tom Hardy will be playing in the upcoming Venom movie that comes out uh, later in 2018 here in the fall. And then you have Flash Thompson. Uh, he was more recently became Venom in the kind of Agent Flash series written by Rick Remender. He is a great, great Venom. He spent some time with the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, out in space during the Bendis run on Guardians. He's a very interesting player here. He's always interesting to me just in the Spider-Man universe at this point because it's hard to shake the the fact that he was a horrible bully to Peter Parker and, and of course, many others in high school uh, in those Stanley and Steve Ditko original Amazing Spider-Man issues. And the fact that he's now friends with Peter Parker in real life, uh, it's, it's always just kind of a weird pill to swallow. Um, I think it says a lot about Peter, that he could be friends with the person who bullied him the worst. Um, and it's, it's an interesting dynamic, and it's an interesting relationship that they have. They're actually, you know, he's one of Peter Parker's best friends. Uh, and he only semi-recently discovered that Flash was, in fact, Venom. Flash doesn't know that Peter Parker and Spider-Man are one and the same, at least at this point in time. So these three characters get together in uh, a kind of... It's all about a gang stealing Venom symbiotes and using them for uh, poorly explained illogical ends. Um, you get a lot of different characters wearing Venoms, which is very popular these days, a la the Venomverse series that Marvel had in the last few years where, you know, it's, it's really an excuse to mash up Venom and different heroes and villains of the Marvel Universe. So, you know, sometimes it works well. Edge of Venomverse is a is a prelude to Venomverse. It's five issues, and it's actually pretty fun. Um, you get things like Declan Shalvey writing and drawing a Punisher with a Venom symbiote story. That's pretty good. Uh, there's a, a Black Panther story that is actually really fascinating in which the symbiote is involved. So there's, there's some good stuff there, but that's kind of what Venom Inc. becomes, but without the insanity and alternate reality hopping and it's it's pretty boring as a result uh you got ryan stegman and and uh, others on art throughout the arc uh, i'll always have a soft spot for stegman because of his work drawing superior spider-man for so much of it and so effectively and it looks like a spider-man comic of the 2000s uh that said you got dan slot writing it in one of his last hurrahs kind of on the Amazing Spider-Man series, along with Mike Costa, who was writing Venom prior to Donny Cates taking over the book uh, currently. There's just not that much to it. So again, if you're a big Venom head, 
Um, I think it may well be the first time we've seen Peter Parker, Eddie Brock, and Flash all kind of vying for a symbiote's affection in the same space. Um, there's some developments here regarding anti-venom. So fans of that character, that was pretty much what it sounds like. Um, you know, an alternate symbiote suit that that kind of fights off the symbiote as a virus. Um, it's white and black instead of black and white as the core colors. Uh, we see a return of that, which is may have some some impact moving forward. So for this day to Spider-Man and Venom, if you're a huge fan, go ahead and check the series out. Uh, for me, it's a skip. And again, if you want to find it, it's in the Marvel Legacy reading order as far as the crossover issues and then kind of where it fits in the broader Marvel landscape. Uh, so that brings us... Oh, and I should mention here, you know, as far as good background reading for this series, I would highly, highly recommend, instead of reading Venom Inc., that you read the Amazing Spider-Man introduction of Venom, uh, which is very, very fun with Todd McFarlane, the now image founder and spawn creator and all-around comics icon drawing Venom uh, in his first iterations. So that stuff's great. I would also highly recommend, again, the Rick Remender written Venom run, which was in the, I want to say, early parts of the 2010s, uh, which are my personal favorite Venom comics. So that brings us to Phoenix Resurrection. Uh, this one, again, I enjoyed quite a bit more. It's definitely for X-Men history buffs. Um, there's a lot of, honestly, just Easter eggy references to what has happened throughout X-Men. There's also, so as far as context for the arc, um, as the, the name implies, Jean Grey, the adult, is dead. And I have to specify the adult because in 2012, writer Brian Michael Bendis had Hank McCoy, aka Beast, bring the young X-Men, so in their sort of early formative years, the original X-Men of Cyclops, Jean Grey, Iceman, uh, Beast, and Angel, brought them to the present timeline. Uh, so there are these time-traveling young X-Men still floating around the Marvel Universe, including Jean Grey, who actually, as a young, time-displaced person, has her own ongoing series, uh, Jean Grey, number 1 to 12, that uh, actually crosses over a little bit with this event. But adult Jean Grey has been dead in the Marvel Universe since approximately 2004, and that is uh, a near-infinite amount of time in the Marvel landscape. Uh, characters stay dead uh, less and less time, honestly. Big heroes, big villains, they do not stay gone for long stretches of time uh, anymore, if, you know, hardly ever have. Um, whereas you had someone like Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin, dead for uh, over, you know, close to 25 years in Marvel history, or in real time, but, you know, throughout Marvel Comics being published there. Uh, Jean Grey, lasting 14 years, is, is, in eternity in the current Marvel landscape. Um, so she's been gone for a long time since the Grant Morrison written uh, New X-Men, which runs from 2001 to 2004 and is uh, both essential and, and highly recommended background reading before you get to Phoenix Resurrection. So anyway, she's been off the board for a good long time and this is all about bringing her back. Uh, it's again a fun read uh it it ties in you know the the current state x-men become kind of a player here so if you're familiar with the events or sort of the team structures of books like x-men blue and x-men gold that's the time period we're talking about here so again it's going to be the 
um, X-Men Resurrection, with an X, of course, uh, as well as Marvel Legacy eras of the characters. Uh, I don't I don't love this time period of X-Men. I actually think Blue and Gold are not particularly good reads, uh, but if you if you really must know, you know, why the X-Men are looking the way they are, how Katie Capride is, you know, kind of their leader, uh, those are the books you would want to check out going into Phoenix Resurrection. So Rosenberg, as the writer, does a really nice job on this one of sort of telling a, a history of Jean, but also giving her this weird sort of, uh, you can't quite tell what's real, alternate reality, and then also having her confront the Phoenix, which is this, you know, all-powerful cosmic entity that has possessed her since the the Phoenix story arc in the, um, you know, the early 80s with Chris Claremont writing and, and John Byrne on art. It's one of the all-time iconic x-men stories but it's also you know 30 years old at this point and maybe it's time to move on so it brings gene gray uh you know back into the fold to talk about uh as a main character and also i think most importantly it sets up x-men red the current ongoing by tom taylor as the writer who has written uh dc's injustice which i love and x-men red's fantastic uh it's off to a great start i'll get to that when that's you know released in full on Marvel Unlimited. Actually, I think the first issue was just added to the library. So you can do Phoenix Resurrection. You're gonna to wanna to do issue number one, followed by Jean Grey number 10. Then the next four issues of Resurrection, followed by Jean Grey number 11. And then you can actually jump right into X-Men Red to see how Jean's return, uh, again, the return of Jean Grey, has impacted the current state of Marvel and the X-Men universe. So it's, it's not going to be, you know, a top all-timer. For, for X-Men comics, but it's pretty good. I would recommend it again for X-Men fans in general. And it is a pretty essential read for continuity because this is a this is a big moment in Marvel history. That's why it gets a miniseries and is just a part of, of the ongoing X-Men. So there you have it. Those are the two big story arcs that were added over the past two weeks in Marvel Unlimited. Uh, I'm going to talk uh, next, or let's actually real quick, um, there were some quote unquote classics that were added as well. So MU's done a really nice job, the team there, at adding new um, new issues of back series. So they're filling in their catalog with all these old comics that are not yet in there uh, all the time. And one that's really gotten in, filled in very nicely is Master of Kung Fu, the uh, Shang-Chi as the, the lead character series that was written in the late 70s. Um, you have Doug Munch writing much of that. And people who like Master of Kung Fu love Master of Kung Fu. Uh, it is in, I would put it in the sort of Howard the Duck or Jim Starlin writing Thanos era of sort of off the beaten path, not your, not your, um, you know, most popular character series that people got really, really into. Um, Power Fist and Iron Man is probably another one that, you know, for people who love it, they really love it. I haven't done a huge Master of Kung Fu binge. I definitely would need to get back in the, you know, that Bronze Age, late 70s mindset that I was kind of in during my Marvelous year. And, and frankly, now just keeping up with more modern stuff, it's it's a bit of a shake <laughs> to get back there. I'm not dying to, but I did read a few issues, um, including one where Shang-Chi fights Doctor Doom. And it's a lot of fun if you like uh, that late 70s Bronze Age era of comics. Definitely recommend checking that one out. There's also a mini-series called Spider-Man's Get Craven. Uh, this one really snuck under my radar. It's a 2002 series, so I'm going to have to be adding it to the you know, Marvel Knights era 
of of Marvel Comics with art by John McCrae, who drew much of uh, Hitman with Garth Ennis, which is one of my favorite ongoing comic or excuse me um, long running comic series uh, from DC in the in the nineties into the two thousands. Um, if I didn't already say with writer Garth Ennis, so. That one's in the library now as well. Those are the two classics that I would say to recommend next week, or excuse me, in, in two weeks, once we have two weeks of new Marvel Unlimited comics released, I'll be looking at one I'm really excited to read in full. It's Runaways number one to number six is now in the library. Uh, that's written by Rainbow Rowell, a young adult fiction writer who made a made a jump to comics and is, is getting pretty unanimous praise. Um, so I'm going to be going into that one. And then, of course, I'll see what is released here in a week. But uh, yeah, jump back in. Let me know what you think, uh, either in the comics on comicbookherald.com, on the Patreon, for those of you who are supporting this pod, on patreon.com slash comicbookherald, uh, or you know anywhere on social media. I'm at comicbookherald on Twitter, uh, at Instagram, um, and then, of course, it's facebook.com slash comicbookherald. So anywhere you can find me, definitely let me know if this uh, this update through new story arcs and Marvel Unlimited is something you're into. Um, I'm I'm finding it more interesting, honestly, trying to keep pace with you know what the new story arcs are, and to date, uh, you know, I've been looking at for about a month. You know, it's usually like one full story arc a week, um, which is actually ideal in terms of trying to consume. But we'll see if that pace starts to pick up. Uh, maybe launches coincide and yada yada yada. So, thanks for listening. Again, this is best comics ever, produced by Comic Book Herald, um, written, directed done <laughs> by myself Dave Busing. Music for comicbookherald.com's best comic ever is written by Anthony Weiss. You can find more of Anthony's music at anthonyweiss.com. So thank you for listening. Tune in again in a couple weeks. Check out comicbookherald.com for more and more updates and reading orders during that time. And as always, enjoy the comics.